Well, good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. As Andy said, my name is Odell, and I'm one of the team here. Um, and we are in this new series. Zach opened up this new preaching series for us by sharing about the parable of the growing seed last week and shared about the fact that the kingdom of God is mysterious. And we are continuing in another of Jesus's parables this morning that's going to build a little bit upon last week's. His parables are simple stories that teach moral lessons and they're often metaphorical and um, he uses illustrations so that he can take an abstract concept, principle, to depict a cosmic truth. So today, we are thinking about the fact that the kingdom of God is messy. But during this teaching series, we are wanting to begin in a slightly different way. We're wanting to begin by reading the Lord's Prayer together and standing, if you are able, to do that and then to remain standing as we read the passage of Scripture together. We want to kind of be grounded in these words of truth as we think about the kingdom of God that Jesus brings to us. So if you are able, why don't you stand with me now? The Lord's Prayer should come up on the screen, and so then we can say together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. If you're able, please do remain standing as I read from Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30, the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Do take a seat. This parable has three main elements to it that we're going to be considering and thinking about today. It starts with the work of the farmer. It moves into the work of the enemy who sows this counter crop. And then the final element is about the farmer's response. Now, if you were with us last week, you may remember that Zach showed you these incredible photos of his before and after of his veggie patch. I am not going to show you any photos of my veggie patch because it's never looked as smart as Zach's before one. However, I do enjoy gardening and I do know that the quality of the seed and how you plant it and where you plant it is crucial to its health and its growth. 
And we are told in this story, through this parable, that the farmer sowed good seed. This is obviously different to what we hear about what the enemy sowed in the counter crop. Now, I've got a little fact for you. Apparently, this counter crop would have looked very similar to the healthy wheat. I did a little bit of research, and some theologians believe that this weed that's being referred to is something called zizania. Now, I do not profess to being an expert in different types of wheat, but I can tell you what I found out about zizania. Zizania is a degenerative form of wheat, which grew with the good wheat, but when it came to maturity, there was no grain, and it was just all stalk. And you may think, like the servants did, but why don't you just pull it up and get rid of it? It's because it grows alongside the good wheat that it shares the same water source, the same nutrients. And actually, if you pull it up, you run the risk of really damaging what could come to maturity in the good wheat. And why is this helpful for us to understand? Maybe none of us want to be wheat experts. Because these two crops grow alongside one another. Jesus is using them as an example to talk about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is like. Because alongside the kingdom of God is the kingdom of darkness. Tim Keller says it like this. It's like two orders of reality that are alongside each other, side by side. So this maybe starts to help us to see and understand the importance of these two crops in the parable. But also why right now, as we live in the now and not yet of the full completion of the kingdom of God, and whilst the kingdom of darkness is still around, life at times can feel messy. I think one of the first times I saw such a powerful example of this, and a story I'm going to share now is one that is heart-wrenching. But the reason I share it is because it had such an impact on me. Over 10 years ago, I was at a summer festival and I heard from this couple. They were a missionary couple. And they had felt called to be in a particular part of the world, going there with their family, sharing and showing Jesus to others. I don't remember all the details, but they shared about the fact that while they were there, on three separate occasions, through a combination of illness and criminal attack from the people that they were serving, they lost all three of their children. And in that moment, what they shared was incredible. They said, whilst they did not understand why, whilst their hearts were broken and they were still grieving and knew that they would for the rest of their lives, they did trust God. And they said that they continued to trust him because they knew that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness were side by side now, but that would not always be the case. I was so struck by their faith and wondered over 10 years ago if I was ever blessed with children or able 
Would I ever be able to say that? And even talking about it now, I can see myself sitting back there and remembering that I sat there and I wept. Many of us sit here today with pains in our heart, questions that we are wrestling with, challenges around us that cause us to wrestle with our faith. We've heard today and see some of the statistics of poverty and mental health that is happening, challenges that are going on that can make things feel like a complicated mess. However, when we remember that these two crops, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, being side by side, should we be surprised? You see, the kingdom of God can feel messy because there is still injustice today. And why do we find it hard? Because our human nature, we long for life to be good. After turbulent times, we're desperate for that, aren't we? And whilst there is still mess and injustice, how do we continue? It can only be through being rooted in Jesus, rooted in the kingdom of God and choosing to take our position in the field like the good seed. So the first question for us to consider today, what is our position in the field? It may be helpful to give a little bit more context as to why Jesus explained what the kingdom meant to the listeners at that time and is relevant to us today. You see, Israel had previously been self-sufficient, a thriving nation, but at the time that this parable was shared, that was not the case. It was being run by an alternative power. The Jews had prayed and hoped that some great leader would come in the form of the Messiah to re-establish the old Israel. We read in parts of scripture that many great leaders came, but they failed. They were not the Messiah. And now Jesus comes, and through his teachings and through um, his examples of miracles all over the place, there's an excitement and an expectancy is this the Messiah. But he was not what they were expecting. They were expecting a high-powered king or someone of political stature who would get things done quickly and efficiently and restore Israel. They were not expecting a baby who was born in a stable to a teenage mother and a fiancé who was a carpenter. They were not expecting this to take time They were not expecting him to die and rise again because their understanding of what could be was so much smaller than what will be. Their understanding of what could be was so much smaller than what will be. Isn't this true for us today as well? Maybe we do know our position in the field because we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've chosen to follow him and accepted the kingdom of God. But we did not expect the world to maybe look like it does. We didn't expect injustice to feel like it does. We didn't expect to personally go through the trials and the challenges that maybe we have gone through or we face today. And when all of that is around us and mess is there, how do we continue to not lose heart Because I don't know about you, I want things done quickly. I want quick fixes. We long for life to be good. But actually, 
We have known when we choose Jesus a love and a value and a grace and an acceptance. We do get to see moments of the kingdom of God at work now, today, in powerful and transformative ways. Maybe some of you sit here today and actually you haven't yet made that decision or that choice to follow Jesus. I would really encourage you, if you're sensing the fact that you would like to find out more about that, come and speak to one of us at the end. We would love to go on that journey with you. I cannot promise that life would be, will be easy, but I can promise that you would receive a love and a grace and an acceptance like no other. So what is our position in the field right now? Holy Spirit speaks to us, sometimes in a still, small voice, sometimes with a tugging or a nudging in our heart. And if you're sensing that today, my encouragement to you is to press into that more and ask Holy Spirit to speak to you afresh. If we go back to the parable, what is also so significant is not only the reality of these two crops growing alongside one another, what's also really important to recognize is the posture of the farmer, the sower. He is patient and he waits. There is a time between the sowing and the harvest. If any of you are gardeners, you will know that that is the case. And it's in this moment that the farmer shows a posture of patience and waiting. Even though this countercrop is growing, the kingdom of darkness. And we don't always like to talk about that. But actually, it's the reality. And sometimes when we do talk about it, it can really help it can help us to understand why the kingdom of God feels messy at times. And it's because of the kingdom of darkness still being around. But I don't know about you, my human instinct is that I don't always want to sit in that place of pain. I don't always want to have to be patient and wait. I want to solve things. I want to clean things up. I want to stop things happening. Let me share a simple story with you, which may seem trivial, and it's not to trivialize the mess that we can feel. But if you have ever seen a baby go through the weaning stage, you will know it's kind of mess and chaos everywhere. As the child tries to coordinate picking up the food in a spoon and then putting it into their mouth, usually the mashed potato ends up in the hair, or the broccoli ends up up the nose, or the spaghetti bolognese ends up on their heads. Our two boys have always loved their food, fiercely independent though about feeding themselves and so the mess at meal times back in the day and actually still now to some extent so in our house if it's a red tea that means that they're wearing white and I've cooked something that if it goes on the white it's gonna have to stay and soak for a long time so they all have to take those tops off before they eat the meal and you can ask Andy if the same rule applies to him so I looked back for a few photos, and you can see these two on the screen of when they were both in the weaning stage. But what struck me, and what God spoke to me about in that moment, when I first started as a new mum weaning Jensen, and kind of cleaned up between every single mouthful, because I thought, it must feel horrible to sit there with all of that stuff over your face. I saw their faces of joy in amongst the mess. They just kind of embraced it. They just kind of learned. They played in it, 
And um, usually, but not always, they kind of patiently waited for me to then clean them up at the end of the process, where it was all over the place, on the walls, on the floor, all over them. And on some occasions, they were maybe so restful that they actually fell asleep in the spaghetti, but I actually couldn't find that photo. Like I say, I know it's a trivial example. And I'm not liking it to the mess that sometimes and some of us are feeling right now. The massive challenges that we are facing in our lives. I'm also not neglecting the reality of the fact that waiting is hard. Showing patience is difficult. Like I said, my heart is often for the mess to end. I don't know about you. Maybe you're a better person than me and much more patient. But that is what the people of Israel were feeling as well. They just wanted it cleaned up. They wanted Jesus the Messiah to come. Quick fix. Let it get done. But he didn't do that. And he still hasn't done that. And we sit in the now and not yet of the completion of the kingdom of God. And even in just this week, sometimes when you're preparing a talk, God gives you real examples of this in the week. And in this week, I can definitely testify to seeing and having, and others in this room can maybe do the same, of moments where the kingdom of God has broken in. The worship team met here on Thursday night, and there were incredible moments of God speaking prophetically and powerfully, encouraging the people that were there. Encouragements for us as a church. But also on Tuesday, in this same building, some things were stolen from some of the staff members when the cafe was on. On Wednesday, my computer lost my entire preach. As one of my favorite theologians, Hilary Ingram Smith, who is not here today, says the devil always overplays his hand. It can seem to us, Tom Wright talks about this as well, that God sometimes seems uncaring or inactive. But that's because the fullness of the kingdom of God is not yet here. It will come one day. And if just for a moment we try and imagine what that could look like, what a world could look like, try to imagine a world without any mental illness. There's no poverty, there's no wars. There's no political unrest. There's no more emotional, physical, spiritual pain. I don't know about you, but I can actually find it really hard to imagine that. Especially when we are currently experiencing or seeing challenges all around us. And we've just shared a tiny snapshot of those today through this Care Sunday. God knows exactly what you are contending with in your hearts and in your minds. And yet I truly believe this time in between is not wasted. It is a time for growth. And so alongside us thinking, what is our position in the field? The second question for us to consider is, what does God want to do in us and through us in this time of growth and waiting? And finally, we do get to see some of the kingdom of God at work in this in-between time. Like I said earlier, when we accept Jesus and we live our lives with him, we get to experience a love and an acceptance and a value that is totally countercultural to what other people are maybe experiencing. 
God wants to teach us new things, many things, whilst there is still injustice and evil and darkness. And this parable is explained further from verse 36. I would encourage you to go away and to read that more. The explanation of the fact that the kingdom of God has been sown, but it is not yet fully harvested. Jesus, through these parables, is trying to help us to understand. He's trying to help the people of that time to understand. Explaining the fact that it's coming gradually. Because it's not just about maybe tackling political unrest, for example. It's about tackling what is beneath it all. When the fullness of the kingdom of God comes... The kingdom of darkness, injustice, evil will be no more. One could say that reality itself is broken right now. But Jesus will restore it far greater than any of us can comprehend. Or anything that you had in your mind when I asked you to imagine what life could look like. But because this takes time, we have to wait for the growing to happen. But what's important and what we see in this parable is the sower doesn't then just kind of sit back. The sower communicates with those around him to explain why you don't pull up the weed, the zizania. We know from Galatians 5 that patience is a fruit of the Spirit, something we can learn, something we can grow in. We know from Philippians 3:14 that we're encouraged to press on in our journeys of faith. But I don't know about you, I need people around me to help me to do that. That's why we talk about community being so important and integral. When you're going through a time where it feels hard or messy, you need people to come alongside you to encourage you. We heard Laura share about that, didn't we? Laura used to be a part of our church. She made a commitment of faith and she has now moved on to live out of the city. But hearing her story still gets at me. But she has now found that love, that acceptance, and she found family through the support of CAP. Like I say, that's why we believe community is so important. But also, as Zach was sharing at the beginning, It's why it's so important for us to give thanks to God for the moments, to praise him, to worship him, to bring him the mess that we're feeling, the things that we're contending with in our heart. Because whilst there are so many incredible moments, and I often say this, but I feel so privileged to be in the role that I am, to hear the stories of the conversations that take place in the cafe of the conversations that take place over the soul food meal, of people who used to be a part of those things and are now sitting here today, having found Jesus. But I also don't know about you. I cannot wait for a day where we actually don't need cap anymore. No offence, Emily. Where we don't need soul food meals, where we don't need a clothes bank, because people are not hungry. And people are not in need of clothing. Because the fullness of the completion of the kingdom of God has come. But as we stay in this place in between, we need to 
together work at not being disillusioned by the mess, but being delighted by the moments of where we see God at work, those moments of joy. So that then maybe we can say, as this couple shared with me this story 10 years ago, that will never leave me. So how do we respond this morning? We're going to be taking communion in a moment, but the band are going to come up and lead us in a song. And I'm just going to encourage you to close your eyes right now. Ask Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe for you today, you know that actually your position in the field has been wavering, or maybe you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe it's about making that recommitment or that first-time commitment today to say, even though there is all this pain and darkness and mess that is going on around me, I still choose you and believe for the fact that one day there will not be any more pain and darkness. Or maybe for you, actually, you're really struggling right now to have the patience. You don't see the point, and understandably so, about growing in that season, in that moment of waiting. I know I need to worship you, but I'm finding that hard right now. God knows what you are contending with but also the truth is that he is here. The kingdom of God is at work today. And Holy Spirit wants you to leave here having known and felt that as we spend time in worship and communion. Amen.